Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 74. Let's roll. And this week, we have a fun show today. We're going to do a little uh, mailbag, a little mailbag. I'm going to bring my my buddy, my the greatest producer in all the land, Michael P. Duncan. I'm going to bring him out. He's going to kind of host the show a little bit, and I'll be answering questions, mailbag questions, and having some fun. But I think actually first we'll do about 30 to 40 minutes on Gabriel Davis and Mac Jones. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm kidding. Without further ado, though, let's get Michael P. Duncan out here to help me steer this ship. You heard me. Michael P. Duncan, what's going on, buddy? Yeah, I can already tell we're in for a fun night because it took us about five minutes to get through the intro. Yeah, I forgot Um, what the show was called. Yeah, we forgot what the show is called. You forgot what intro you did. Uh, Neither of us could remember the two people that hear it every single week. I mean, I don't Um, hear it. I just say it. Well, that's that's fair. I hear it. You say it every single week. So the two people that probably should remember. Um, so it is the it's undrafted, right? We got that. We get, did we get it right? I think at this point, who cares? Yeah, let's just roll. So um, let's have fun with this. Um, speaking of having fun, Mr. Michael B. Duncan, how much fun was that Celtics 76ers game the other night? That was fun, man. I that is one of the single worst <laughs> games I think I've watched in mind. And OK, that, that's not entirely true, because like I Trust the process was there for a reason. We had a ten win game, a ten game win season. Like I watched some bad basketball, but that that was pretty bad. Um, that was pretty bad. The only the only thing that made me feel better was knowing that James Harden was sitting on the bench watching it all happen. In a, like a weird, what was his outfit all? About? It looked what like was... a trench coat that had like the arm sleeveless, holes yeah. cut out, and then yeah. he had like a, a big puffy jacket under it. Honestly, it was kind of nice. Like of all the weird fashion statements I've seen on NBA sidelines, like Kyle Kuzma wore like a jacket full of mirrors one year. <laughs> like that, that wasn't that bad. I was like, oh, that looks really comfy. And I know it gets cold down there, so. You know? I mean, it is could something. Be, it could be worse. My Boston Celtics beat your 76ers 135 to 87. 48 um, points. Yeah, just un- unbelievable. So, um, you know, unfortunately, it's only one game. I wish we could, uh, you know, kind of tally all that up for uh, the postseason because I think we're probably going to have an early exit. Although, I tell you, my Celtics uh, certainly playing a little bit better since the Derek White trade, but I'm guessing that nobody tuned into this to hear me talk about the Boston Celtics. Just, just a guess. Probably not. Most likely not. There may be some 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 folks who wanted me to hear who wanted to hear me dunk on Michael P. Duncan, though. That's fun. No. Well, Maybe. yeah. I mean, we get that every week. So yeah. there's definitely a certain group of fans that look forward to that. <laughs> Are there though? I like we don't have like any data on this. Like you know, I wish we had the the Nielsen ratings on which types of shit in this uh, program people actually like. Like you know, you know, I would like you to know because I'll do more of it. I think on Anchor, they're actually you. You have the option to add polls now. Oh, like wow. obviously now we're looking a little bit behind the curtain and having a serious conversation. But I can start adding that maybe. Um, I'll have to figure out how it works. Maybe I'll throw one in there and see what people like and don't like. So I mean, if people do want me to just simply dunk on Michael P. Duncan, I'll show. It could be could be a, a long a long 2022 for you. You know, what there I mean? is a uh, there's a lot to dunk on. 
So, yeah, uh, I think you could probably make a weekly podcast out of yeah, that. Yeah, Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts, you know, Bill, uh, Ben Simmons. Like, it, hey, he's not mine anymore. He's, he's not, not mine yours. anymore. Not my problem. <laughs> not your problem. How bad did it hurt to get rid of him, get an aged, fat, uh, expensive player who's not going to put you over the top? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Next time you see me, we'll be in the Sixers Championship parade. The end of the I season, believe it. So. I believe it. So. I believe you. Yep. No, keep dreaming. It's good. Oh, it's I good am. to have goals. It's wonderful. Uh, but Look, onto the show. Uh, onto the show. I, 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 uh, I, you know, you want to do a mailbag, and we put out uh, a quick tweet and asked for some questions. There were some awesome questions, and you know, we 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 decided to do that. So. Without further ado, Michael P. Duncan, take the reins and uh, and 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 ask away. All right. Well, so to start off, I think we got a good one from a fellow undroppable uh, Blake at Blake A. Hampton. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. Yes. He's very good at math, and he makes really fun charts um, showing different things that have to do with football. Yeah, so he's, naturally- a re- he's a real brilliant analyst and an amazing mathematician. And so what sort of high-level question? did he have for us? Well, he wants to know, um, it's fourth and goal on the half yard line to win the Super Bowl. You know, think Russell Wilson, uh, Russell Westbrook, Russell Wilson. I was right the first time. The Seahawks, <laughs> yeah. Marshawn Lynch. They hand it off to me. Okay. Blake wants to know, one, do I score? And two, do I survive? So there's no question that you don't score. There's just zero question. Like literally zero chance you score. I so I, I disagree with that. If you make it a fullback handoff and put a guy behind me to push me in, I think I've got like a two percent chance of scoring. All right. I, I'll put it at point two percent chance. I'll, take I'll give that. you point two. But I'll take not that. more than point two. Like they'd have to the the tailback would have to throw you like a like a life raft over but the I'm, pile. That could <laughs> possibly happen if you put the right guy at tailback yeah like a derrick henry type who could just yeah. fling you i think the flinging of the michael p duncan is the only way you're scoring that's my that's my personal take that's fair i can't really disagree with and that even if you score that way survival is still in question oh yeah i i mean for one that'll hurt to land like i don't have a good back i don't think you're landing i think you're getting hit in the air by a spearing linebacker which could be that's problems. a good point. Yeah, I yeah I'm not. I guess I'm not landing in the end zone. I'm really <laughs> no. just trying to get the ball over the over the line. At that point, it doesn't really matter. After that, it's like I said, survival is still uncertain. So I'd say the the chances of death are higher than the chances of scoring. That I would say. Yes, I I that's not even in question. <laughs> yeah, it's like at, at best a fifty percent chance that I die. I mean, it's a pretty, yeah, I think, you so, know, spinal, uh, you know, problems or, you know, brain oh, hemorrhage paralyzed, like yep, yep. lots of ways to die on that situation. Uh, so thank you, Blake, for that question. Uh, that was a great one. Um, but uh, moving on to a much better one, I got to find the one that I actually wanted to start with. Um, and this one is from Paul Blake, Blake Hampton, Blake Hampton, our uh, director of analytics with that past question. Thank you so much, yes. Blake. Find um, more at the undroppables.com. 
Yeah, find more of that. He he actually brings up quite a few scenarios in our Discord about which ones of which ones of us would actually be able to score in an NFL game. I it's think he just wants Tommy to see Mo. me die at this point. Oh yeah, it's only Tommy. Yeah, Tommy's um, getting in there. Maybe Vivek. I think he could like Vivek. He could like sneak <laughs> under there a little bit. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. He'd be easier to throw. Like I, I definitely, I've put on the weight. Yes. Um, I don't think he necessarily has the weight. I think yeah, he's easier you could to throw. throw him through the uprights. Exactly. And yeah. at that point, like who's reaching him? You know. Yeah. It's, no, it's, his survival rate is slightly higher. I think. It's a great call. Yeah. Um, anyway, go ahead so with anyways, the next question. Sorry, this is a question. No, you're good. This is a question from uh, Polly Wall. Uh, how are you approaching startups this year with the hype of the 2023 rookie class? So not this incoming one, but next year's. Um, and the same question for the 2022 rookie drafts where you have early picks um, and trading for a premium in 2023 is unlikely. Yeah. Um, you know, I was listening to, I think it was Super Bowl Sunday, Michael Liu uh, did his podcast with Big Dog Gotta Eat and he was talking about his startup strategy this this year and it got me thinking because his strategy was is always very similar to mine which is sort of trade back trade back accumulate future picks you know just keep doing that sort of he calls it punt on year one sometimes you know you do this and you end up with a good team year one and you have all these uh assets in the future these these draft assets so I don't know if it's always a punt, but it certainly is. It can be conceived that way or perceived that way, not conceived. That's different, different word. But the idea this year is that it's going to be harder to do because, you know, trading back and trying to also acquire these coveted 23 picks is harder. So maybe it's different and maybe you just, you know, use those 23 picks, but make sure you get full, full value for those, those picks. And, you know, sort of maybe still move back, as uh, he pointed out, if you get a top half of the first round uh, pick, you can move back. Maybe you don't get a 23 first. Maybe, you, you know, move back and get a 24 first or something like that. And then use those picks to sort of move back up. And there's a lot of different ways to play it. But I think you have to consider the value of those 23 firsts. If you can acquire them, I still want to do it. But if people are overvaluing them, then maybe you go the other way. Uh, it's really league specific. But if you're drafting in a league that I think has, you know, not caught up to the fact that those 23 picks are going to be very, very valuable, then you get them. If you're playing with a bunch of guys who, you know, think they're pretty smart and they're like, I'm not giving you those 23, then maybe go the other way and use those 23 picks to get them to overpay you. And you end up with, you know, two of the top, you know, five or six or seven quarterbacks. And that's a hell of a nice way to build. Yeah, and I think at the same time, just to kind of add on to that, like I, I think looking at the top half of the 2022 rookie drafts, you know, I, I think basically everyone agrees, at least the consensus right now, is that the 2022 rookie draft is definitely weaker than what we expect the 2023 to be. But For there's sure. still that top tier of guys in this rookie class that I think people can expect to be fairly good contributors on dynasty teams. Like, no, there's not necessarily a Jamar Chase or, um, you know, the quarterbacks that came out last year. But Malik Willis could very well be a very valuable dynasty quarterback because of the Konami stuff. And um, there's lots of, you know, pretty talented wide receivers. So maybe it is kind of worth it to kind of go against the grain and get like the you know, a top seven pick or whatever, wherever you kind of think that like that cutoff is for that top tier of guys in this draft, maybe it's worth kind of going to look for that as opposed to the 2023. 
picks. Yeah, and what's interesting in a lot of startup drafts, you know, either the 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 players are in the, the in other words, the 2022 class, either the players are in the draft or just the picks are in the draft or neither. I don't like neither. I don't like it when, you know, if I've got the first pick of the of the startup, I get the last pick of the rookie draft. I don't like that. Um, I like to have the either the picks or the players in the draft. Um, that's just the way I like to do it. Um, and so if they are, I think I'm I'm leaning away from this 2022 class and taking established players. You know, I think I'd rather just there's a lot of established players that I'd rather have than almost every single player in this draft. I think that, you know, uh, as a as a class in general, this class falls further down a startup board than normal. And for that reason, I'll probably, I would probably be the one to not be very excited to take them. And I'd probably target some of these early second round picks, you know, maybe second round picks in general. I think the second round will pose a bit more value, especially if you can sort of load up on veterans and young players in the startup and then just kind of nab some of the 22 seconds, uh, as you go through a startup and, uh, by, by all means, I would try and hang on to my 23 first and acquire more if possible, but that may be tough to do. So I think that's kind of how I go about it. But again, I think, you know, you have to read the room. You know, there every draft is different, you know, and the Scott Fishbowl sort of shows that, right? It's the same format for everybody. And we there's so much groupthink and all the rest of it, yet still you'll see huge variations in the Scott Fishbowl with how leagues uh, you know, draft. So the same thing's going to happen in a dynasty setting, especially in a startup. You're going to have your league react to things differently each time. So be ready to read the room, but understand those values that 22 firsts uh, are less valuable than normal and 23 firsts are more valuable than normal. Well, so speaking of dynasty startups and the rookie picks, uh, and also, by the way, I prefer having the rookie picks in the dynasty startup as opposed to the players, and definitely better than having neither. Um, but another question we got was from Kev White at Dynasty underscore Goat, and he wants to know where would you select the rookie one point oh one in a dynasty startup right now? So you can select picks, um, not the actual players, but where would you take it? Say it's a standard like twelve team dynasty startup superflex. Probably you know, after the top, certainly after the top eight to nine quarterbacks are already off the board for sure. Maybe further than that, maybe into the 12 to 15 quarterbacks taken off the board, probably that far. Um, and, uh, you know, running back certainly after the top 12 or something like, you know what I mean? It's like way back there. So probably not before anybody else, you know? And so I'm probably not getting that 1.01, um, because the, 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 you know, what am I getting? I'm getting Traylon Burks. I don't have him as a top five wide receiver. I'm getting Brees Hall. I don't have him as a top five, uh, running back or, you know, one of these quarterbacks whom I don't have as a top, you know, 10 quarterback, uh, in, in the, in dynasty. So, you know, I'm going to let those, that, that pick fall. Whereas when it was Saquon Barkley, you could make a case that he was in the top five picks overall. You know what I mean? Uh, again, that may not have worked out as it was, but as a prospect, he was there. So, you know, the, the, the 22, by the way, Kev, terribly sorry about Terrace Marshall. I, uh, I apologize. I'm so sorry, sir. So would you say that Traylon Burks is probably your 1.01 right now in rookie drafts? No. 
who would you say it is? Well, in Superflex, I would still be taking these quarterbacks, uh, even though I don't like them. Um, That's fair. Yeah, and I don't know, man. It's like with Brees Hall, I think he's probably the sh- – so I think Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson are my two most sort of like – I just feel good about them players. Like highest floor, most sure, not the most excited like, oh, they've got yeah. the highest ceiling, but I just think I feel like both those guys have the most solid floor of any prospect in the in the class. So I don't know if that if that says anything. I just don't know, you know. So we're still farther enough away, but I think if we were drafting right now and I had to, like I said, I would probably pick a different player, someone who's already in the league. It would, you know, it would take a while for me to, you know, pull the trigger on a Malik Willis, um, you know, a Brees Hall or a Traylon Burks or even a Garrett Wilson. Well, so real quick, would you rather have Russell Wilson or your number one quarterback? Say it's Malik Willis. <clears throat> That's about where it's at, too. And I think it's probably still Russell Wilson because he's at least sure to succeed, you know? Um, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, probably still Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Mac Jones. You know, in a super flex, it's like, you know, Mac is is a sure thing, too. I mean, he's going to be good. You know, Malik has a much higher ceiling, obviously. So it starts to become, yeah, maybe you start thinking about it there. Yeah. Well, so Mac is your quarterback 13, according to your rank. There you go. Somewhere in the 10 to 12. Yeah, I just wanted to see kind of where you would put it. Um, So around the quarterback 13. Yeah, I've been thinking about Malik Willis right in that ballpark. And and I've asked that question to myself. I'm glad that you did that because that's what you sort of should be thinking is like, you know, we're, we're certainly more sure that Mac Jones is an NFL quarterback than we are about Malik Willis. That's just period end of story but we also are a hundred percent sure also that Malik Willis has a higher ceiling than Mac Jones right so it's like yep that's the question it's you know it's ceiling versus floor that's what it is and real quick on Malik Willis like I've seen a lot of people comparing him in dynasty terms not necessarily as a player as a player is different but to Jalen Hurts and I just wanted to kind of touch on that real quick like I don't think that dynasty like speaking in dynasty terms I don't think they're that similar at all because Jalen Hurts was a second-round pick, and right. people seem to forget that. Like, the Philadelphia Eagles did not draft Jalen Hurts to be their franchise quarterback. Right. They did not. If, if you think that, you're wrong. They had just signed Carson Wentz to a massive deal, and Howie Roseman made this place a quarterback factory. He turned into maybe a franchise quarterback, but Malik Willis will have first-round value yep. in the NFL draft, and that means, like, look at how long Mitch Trubisky held on. Like... It's going to last longer, and Daniel there's going to be Jones. less question. Daniel Jones, it's going to have less question around it than guys like Jalen Hurts. So I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. Like initially, his value will be very different than Jalen Hurts until Jalen Hurts secures a large contract or something like that. So correct, um, yeah, I agree. And uh, speaking of these rookies, uh, we're just going to kind of keep going along this uh, this road. Um, this is from Stephen Taylor, um, and he wants to know in this rookie draft. Would your strategy be to move up and uh, assure that you can get some of the top players, like kind of we were talking about, like that top like seven or so, or to move down and cast a wider net to get guy like say guys that are kind of going in the second and third, um, like but have more questions, obviously like the George Pickens, uh, maybe all the way to even guys like uh, Jerome Ford. Yeah, I mean, I certainly want to pick earlier rather than later, but I think there's probably, you know, a sweet spot too. I think when I've done, we, you know, you know you've done a few mocks with me already. I think that late first, you know, there's going to be some leftovers. It's like Sam Howell, Jamison Wils, uh, Williams, right? Like, you know, Rashad White, 
Kyron Williams, you know, you see Chris Olave, George Pickens, you know, you can get yourself a Trey McBride or whatever, right? So there's like these these guys that are available, you know, sort of at the one-two turn that are pretty damn good, or at least are pretty good prospects. We don't know what they're going to be as NFL players, but yeah, I would think that, you know, it, it's cost-based too. Like if it costs me an arm and a leg to move up in the, in the first round of a 22 class, pass. And if I can get great value to move back, then I will. But I'd still, look, if it's cheap to move up, well, then I'll move up. You know, I know that sounds like a, a cop-out answer, but it's it's true, you know. I guess what I'm getting at is I don't know, you know, I, I think I understand the question that obviously the guys projected to go earlier are, are better bets. Um, but sometimes, you you know, I don't know. Uh, it depends upon cost. It really does. And it depends upon the league settings. It depends upon your, your team. Like, so you know, let me see. Let me so see if much, I can simplify so the question a yeah. little bit. Would you rather have, you know, one top three or four pick or two to three early second round picks? So either you're getting the guy that you think is the closest thing to a sure thing, knowing that it's not, you know, a Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, or you're getting a couple shots at guys that have clear red flags for whatever reason that is. Um, obviously, we don't know draft capital yet, but guys like, you know, Jamison Williams, George Pickens, David Bell, Chris Olave, or some of the running backs. Would in you a, rather have three in a super shots flex, or one? In a, in a super flex draft, when those guys are actually getting pushed back there, if I can get like the 111, the 2-3, and the 2-5 for the 1-3 or 4, I'd probably take the three picks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I th- I think that's kind of a I, I think that's the spirit of what he's asking. Yeah. Um, and I I tend to agree with you. I it's always easy to say now. I think I always feel that way right now in yeah. the rookie process because you do see these rookie drafts and like like you said like we did one earlier today and I was I was I pulled it up and I was looking at it. Um, I just I have a hard time like thinking that some of these guys will be there. Or they'll just get killed by draft capital and they'll just fall horribly. And then That's it's right. like they're not even a value in the second round. Like Yeah, it's like what we thought reach. of Tylen Wallace before the I was gonna say right? Tylen Wallace, Seth Williams, another That's you right. know, yeah. analytics darling. Yeah, that's um, right. So you got to be real careful because we think we're so smart at this time of year. And that's the other thing, too, is like that's why it's hard to answer. So, I mean, in general, of course, you want earlier picks because you're going to have a better chance to 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 secure a good player. So obviously that's always the answer. But at what cost? And, at, yeah. you know, right now, I guess we see value in the, you know, picks 110 to 206 or whatever. But um and, and a little bit longer than that, too, huh? I mean, you know, we really... I right think now, trade, there's just a, there's a massive tier after the top 24? seven or so. Yeah, yeah. like, we, we went... We, I drafted Trey McBride, um, yep. and then I think it went Sky Moore, Wandale Robinson, right in that ballpark. Yeah, I got Wandale at the top of the third. I got Jerome Ford, who's another guy that I really like, at the top of the fourth. But 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 Jerome Ford is a whole different thing than Wandale, at least right yeah, now, yeah. you know? And so what's interesting is, yeah, that right around that... That 224, right? I mean, the first 24, 25 players feels like a tier. Now, you're 100% right that there will be some guys who go, you know, and get absolutely obliterated by uh, draft capital and where they land and what's going on. Yeah, all that. That's 100%. You know, Jamar Jefferson, I remember this time last year was a top, you know, was a first round pick. I was just about to go and see if I can find. Uh, mock drafts from this time last year. But I yeah, Je- Jamar Jefferson was in the first round most of the time. And then, you know, or at least pretty close, you know. 
Yeah. Um, and and then got you know seventh round NFL capital and yep. was a third or fourth round pick and got buried behind you know I mean just absolutely and buried you're going to see people like Dwayne Eskridge yes yes come out of nowhere yep um or uh, you, you know Cadaver the Tony Cadaver the Tony um, but who uh, I like that, now I'm 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 on now no I I, I actually I I acquired him at the end of the regular season uh in a deal for Cooper Cup which. In it alone feels tar- terrible, but I also got Kyle Pitts and some picks back in the deal. Yeah. And I'm rebuilding, so it's fine. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. It all comes down to cost. But um, I, I will say that does kind of go along with a question that we got from Mark Mathic uh, at, I don't, at Master June 70. Yeah, at Master June 70. I questioned whether or not he uses his real name ever yeah. on Twitter. Whoops. Um, yeah, he but does. he basically said it gets thin after the 107. You have the 108 or the 112, basically, from what you just said, I would assume that you're just trying to move back either into 2023, obviously, or if you're staying within this draft, you're probably just moving back and acquiring a bunch of picks in that range because you don't see a massive difference between the guy at the 108 and the guy at the you know 212. Right uh, now, anyway. Yeah, I, right now. I, I still think you you do. I mean, here's the thing. Don't get too cute at this time. I mean, ultimately, unless your draft is tomorrow, I'm not trying to maneuver too much yet. Um, yeah. I remember last year, there was, I, I'm trying to remember, it was like, uh, there was the top 10 for me, which were the five quarterbacks, Jamar Chase, Pitts, and the three running backs, Javante, Etienne, and Harris. Top 10. And then there for me, and then yeah. there was no, this. I'm remembering, yeah, yeah, that was the ten. And then there was this group of receivers yep, that like right, yeah. Waddle, yep. Terrace Marshall, Elijah Moore, um, Devonte Smith, etc. Right, uh, Terrace Marshall. A couple more there. I'm forgetting. Doesn't matter. And, and then Michael Carter and Trey yep. Sermon pour one out. But there was that group, and Trey yep. Sermon often. I wasn't drafting him. I don't think I drafted a single uh, spot of of Trey Sermon. But he was going and pushing guys yeah. like Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, and um, you know, and, and uh, Waddle down to me, or Terrace Marshall in some cases also pour one out. But the uh, th- I remember it was I don't remember the exact pick, but it was like two, you know, five or whatever it was, and I was like, right at two five is where it all changes. That's where all of a sudden I don't know who's there anymore. It's like really tough. I don't I don't like anything yet. At two five, I might get Jalen Waddle or Elijah Moore. So yeah. once that all shook out, I traded many a times, you know, the two nine and the two eight for the two five. And someone's like, look at this idiot. Yep. <laughs> two picks for one, snap it. And I would get Elijah Moore. And yep. so I did that many a times once I knew the texture of the draft. But I didn't wasn't doing that blindly. I wouldn't do that today. Yeah. I'm not trading the two eight and the two. 10 for the 205 this year i might but i don't know how it's all going to shake out so you want to wait and then once you see where your tiers end up after the draft because we don't know exactly what that looks like today that's when you make moves like that yeah and i think I, i think that's kind of what mark meant for the most part which is you know like either at the draft or if your draft was tomorrow and this is the information you have like i, I was going to bring up i remember very specifically i think it was an episode that we did and we were actually uh, uh oh i think it was it was the ranking it was the rankings episode um and we were going through all of our rookie rankings and we basically more or less agreed of where the tier of players you really actually wanted to draft ended 
And it was in that second round. And I believe the last one on both of our lists were te- was Terrace Marshall. And after that, it was just a massive drop-off with guys that you were interested in but had massive red flags like Elijah Mitchell and draft capital and whatnot. And I think, you know, more or less what you're saying is right now that tier is very large because we need things to shake out. It's going to be the combine. It's going to be draft capital when we learn more about these guys. Um, but it's really just find the end of whatever that second tier of guys is um, and just kind of go for the ones that you can get. Um, and also the caveat here is that the 2022 second tier is not equal to the 2021 second tier or the, most likely the 2023 second tier. We're just speaking within this year's rookie draft. And I think that's also kind of important to remember value wise. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah, the, 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 enough said. Let's let's uh, let's move on to the next question. I, I love I love the answer we gave. All right, so we are going to kind of get away from uh, some rookie talk now. Uh, I'll ask you: Would you rather get into some dynasty league questions or player type questions? Let's let's do some player stuff. All right. So here's the first one. This is from uh, Jared Brewington on Twitter. If uh, Allen Robinson lands in a good fantasy situation, somewhere like the Chiefs, the Dolphins, uh, those were his examples, uh, what would his value be? Would you rather have the uncertainty of Ridley or the youth potential of DJ Moore instead of uh, Allen Robinson in a valuable spot? Yes. <laughs> I'd rather have – I'd ra- DJ Moore is like uh, top 12. Oh, yeah. Top 11. I'm right there with you. Yeah, I've got him at, at wide receiver 11 right now, just behind DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, and T. Higgins. I think he's right there, uh, yep. right ahead of Deontay Johnson. And, I, you know, I keep looking at Steph Diggs, wanting to move him up. Jalen Waddle wanting to move him up. That's him a, behind that's a, Deontay Johnson. That's a super strong tier right there. Um, yep. And, you know, you could talk me into Jalen Waddle as high as, like, wide receiver seven. So, don't at me or at me. I don't really care. But um, I, say, I feel like normally you want people to. Add yeah, you. definitely. I don't give a shit. Right. I don't I'm either paying attention or I'm not, but I definitely don't care. Um, but when it comes and Calvin Ridley, is, I think he's going to come up in a moment. So I'll, I'll leave that mm-hmm. on the back burner right now. I'm looking at Allen Robinson, you know, in and around Christian Kirk and things like that, because Allen Robinson, while he's great, is also starting to age out. And yeah, I think he is going to find some fertile soil this year, but he's 28 now. It'll be his 29-year-old season next year. He's a relic uh, sort of. God, this wait, out- he's only 28? Yeah, do you think he was older than that? He feels like he's like 32. Yeah. 28 <laughs> is not old for a wide receiver. It is it, like, for his per- for his for his prototype. I mean, outside mm-hmm. guy who wins, you know, that way. I mean, athleticism matter. He's not a route running savant. He's a he's an athletic winner on the outside. And, you know, that that prototype is is sort of fading in 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 the NFL anyway. So, you know, add in the fact that, you know, he's had some you know, certainly a yeah. very, very difficult 2021. Um, yeah, I'll like him a lot in redraft potentially, although that burned me this year again, <laughs> this year anyway. But yeah, I do, I'm a little bit afraid. And in Dynasty, you know, that's the type of guy that if he doesn't fire next year, you can't sell him for anything. That's the problem. Yep. So would you view him as a guy that once he, say he signs with the Chiefs, would you just try and sell him immediately, package him with something and try and get younger? That's kind of the point is, right? Yeah. So that's why it's like so hard to, to move him way up is 
because he doesn't retain value after even a a good year. You know, if he does, like I said, if he doesn't fire, it's like nobody wants him. Nobody wants to. That's the hard part in dynasty is like we rank guys and we say, oh, yeah, I'd rather have this guy or that guy. But ultimately, it's also what are what's the out? What's the plan? And some of these guys just don't have a plan. Like you can still sell Rashad Bateman. He hasn't really done anything either, but there's hope of future. He's young. You know, you can still sell him. Whereas if if uh, Allen Robinson, he's a tough sell right now. So you know, it's it's just that's what I'm. D, DJ Chark, I've got DJ Chark a spot ahead of Allen Robinson. I'm not that sure DJ Chark fires either, but at least I've got a couple of years to pending free agent. Right? You know, yeah, he's yeah. another one. Yeah, exactly. So he's yeah, he it's 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 funny because they they're right next to each other, but they're two very different situations. It yeah. feels like. Um, but I I, I will say this. Um. Like, I, I guess when I say that 28 isn't old for a wide receiver, I, I don't think it is. And I don't necessarily agree with you on your thoughts on Allen Robinson, but I don't think it's necessarily worth arguing about right now. Um, but more of just like the value of him. And I think you're spot on, which is that it doesn't matter if he produces from here on forward. And we see that with wide receivers all the time. Like they will produce long past when we're through valuing them correctly. Like, uh, I'm trying to like Larry Fitzgerald, I feel like is always the easiest example. Like his value peaked at, you know, maybe age 29 in dynasty is in terms of like, what could you trade him for? But he was producing for your fantasy team years after that, but you were never going to get a fair deal based on what he was actually producing on your team. Like there's certain guys at wide receiver that I feel like are just going to age out on your team. And if you don't take the chance to move on a guy like age, like move, move a guy like Allen Robinson, when there's some blip of hype, then you're probably just stuck with them unless you're selling them for nothing. Yeah. Um, I'll ask it this way. You know, I think I'm, I was trying to look at where they're going right now. What about, um, um, you know, Juju Smith Schuster versus Allen Robinson. They're probably going in the same ballpark and I'm, I'm going to be drafting Juju everywhere at yeah. that, at that value. Yeah. Right. I don't even think that's close. Yeah. Okay. Like a guy, a guy, a guy going going into his second contract versus a guy looking for a third. Hopefully, I think that's a big difference. On keep trade cut, which I know is a little bit of crowdsourcing and whatnot. Um, Juju Smith Schuster is the wide receiver thirty eight now, and Robinson's the wide receiver forty three. Um, pretty close. Sleeper has sleeper has Juju going twenty spots after Allen Robinson. There you go. That's no. probably a little dated, and obviously, yeah. again, I'm taking Juju in front of Allen Robinson. And so in that zone, you know, I know there's going to be other players that I prefer over, um, you know, over Allen Robinson for sure. Yeah. This does definitely speak mainly towards like a, I'm stuck with him on my dynasty team. I have, I have him in a couple places and it's horrible. His value tanked very, very quickly. Um, I even drafted him in a startup last year in it, like, you know, decently high. Cause I, you know, I thought he'd have some years left, but, Apparently not. Um, moving on to another guy that uh, was brought up, and you were correct uh, in assuming that he was going to come up again, which is Calvin Ridley. And Kyle uh, Kyle Larson uh, on the pod a couple weeks ago just wants to know, what are you doing with him in Dynasty? I think I'm buying. I mean, I think I'm buying Calvin Ridley right now. Um, you know, he was, you know, coming into the season, a top 10 Dynasty wide receiver, um, you know, just a, 
you know, right now it looks like he's being valued at the wide receiver 26. Um, do remember though, that he is a 27 year old player. He was a, an older, um, that's what I was going to bring up. Yep. He's an older player. DJ Moore, but like three years older. Exactly. Yep. He's the same year as DJ Moore, but three years older. That's exactly right. So yeah, he's as old as, uh, Amari Cooper. Um, and so, you know, if, I think I'd rather have Amari, although it's close, but Calvin Ridley, you know, yeah, I think I, I would probably be buying at the right price again. You know, if I can get him at that, you know, well, there you go. I mean, if you can, you know, would you rather have Calvin Ridley or Allen Robinson? I mean, you know, Allen Robinson plus, I think I'd rather have Calvin Ridley. I think I'd pay the plus it takes to move from Allen Robinson to Calvin Ridley right now with that uncertainty and that upside. Yeah, I think so too. And also, uh, and this is something I was actually thinking about in uh, the other day, just kind of as I was kind of scrolling through my sleeper leagues and kind of refamiliarizing, reminding myself, you know, what teams I have and all that. But Calvin really feels like a guy that I would love to acquire in like a pretty big rebuild because he kind of just strikes me as a lottery ticket. Like, yeah, exactly. Maybe he he definitely doesn't cost as much as he did a year ago. He and I don't think he's going to be a zero in value anytime soon, unless you know he retires, which is not a zero percent chance of that happening. But there's a very real chance that you could acquire him for very little if the guy just wants to get off of him. And six months, or maybe not six months from now, but a year from now, be able to sell him for twice, three times, four times what you got him for. Um, and in when you're rebuilding, like sometimes it's not always about getting the young stud that you think you're going to build your team around. It's also just about getting some of those lottery tickets. Like Calvin Ridley and Michael Thomas are two guys that I think are both kind of in that category of they have a big name. They had a lot of value, and it's there's a real chance that they could get it back, but there's also a real chance that they don't. But sometimes that's what you need. And, and you mentioned uh, 28, 29 years old, not being old for a receiver, especially a Calvin Ridley-type receiver yeah. who wins with route running and has never been a run-after-catch guy where he's breaking tackles. He's always just been a, a guy that gets open. Well, you know, Keenan Allen's still getting open too, and I think that's the type yeah. of player that Calvin Ridley can be if – you know, again, the, the big if is, you know, what his situation is, you know, and and what's really holding him back right now. I, I understand it's, you know, some mental stuff or who knows what, I, you know, whatever. Um, that stuff doesn't have a timetable or at least yep. not a not a, a, a known timetable. So that's what's a little bit difficult, but that's that's suppressing his value. But um, yep. I'd look at him in that ballpark and I'd certainly be looking to, to like I, I agree with you 100 percent. I think he's 100 percent a lottery ticket. So I think you nail it right on the head. It's like. You know, if you have the opportunity to to acquire him and then look to flip him, yeah, that's smart. Yeah. Um, and so staying in Atlanta, um, I actually lied. We are gonna go back to rookies just real quick. Uh Maxwell Great. at Maxi Padamus, a big friend of the Andrade. What's up, Maxi? Um, he wants to know under the new regime in Atlanta, obviously with uh, the head coach coming from the uh, Titans last year, he wants to know which running back in this draft would be best suited for the Falcons. Um, is your answer Cordero Patterson or is it an actual rookie running back? Yeah. I mean, it's Brees Hall. I mean, just because I think Brees yeah. Hall is the most suitable running back for like every team. Cause I think he's the best one, but I mean, you know, uh, I, yeah, I think it's Brees Hall, but you know, I guess if we're moving down the board, I don't really know. I, I don't think there's, you know, I, I think I had asked, uh, Travis may, uh, if I forgot who it was, maybe Kyron Williams or, 
one of them is, is he, you know, does he profile as a lead back? I forget which one it was. Yeah. I think it was Kyron. He goes, well, none of these guys may be a, you know, a type a back. And I was like, ah, you know, that sucks, you know? So I I think he was being a little bit cute with the answer, but the point was, is that none of them are a sure thing to be, you know, lead back material. I was just on the, Oh, by the way, I was just on uh, the going for two, um, you know, live stream and podcast. And I referenced something and I'll tell y'all to go do it right now. Go listen to the big dog. Got to eat uh podcast that Noah Hill did. I think uh, Kyle Larson brought up the Noah Hill article that he did about Isaiah Spiller, man, his uh, breakdown of Isaiah Spiller, basically a 15, 20 minute pod just on Isaiah Spiller and the work that Noah Hill has done um, sort of debunking Isaiah Spiller and as a prospect and, Let's see if I can do this uh, succinctly. <laughs> yeah, right. Everybody's like, "Sure, buddy." Um, <clears throat> but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this about Isaiah Spiller because I thought it was awesome. And this is basically a snippet of what uh, Noah Hill was talking about. He basically looked at Isaiah Spiller's, um, you know, performance as it equates to other players on his team. Right. So, in other words, you look at Isaiah Spiller's yards per carry. He's at. I'm making this up. Five. If the rest of the team, running backs only, are at six, that's not good, right? And he looked at other players who were outperformed on a per-carry basis on their college team. And he went all the way back to like 2007, 2012, whatever it was. So since 2012, he looked at the following players. College players who received 10 carries per game or more. College player, college running backs who played with um other uh running backs on the team that were th- who averaged uh three stars coming out of high school or more so in other words tried to filter down good competition not bad competition and those players had more yards per carry than that running back and that's a little bit convoluted but ultimately he looked at guys who were were drafted and played with other guys and got outperformed at a high level right And this was the list that Isaiah Spiller finds himself on. It's a long list, but it's worth listening to. Ready? Miles Gaskin, Cyrus Gray, Paul Perkins, James White, Benny Snell, Bishop Sankey, Zach Stacy, Cameron Artis Payne, Samaje Pirine, Kristen Michael, Trent Richardson. That's throwback. There's some throwback. Trent Richardson, Monty Ball, Joseph Randall, Quadri Allison, TJ Yeldon, Kadeem Carey, and Trey Mason. And now Isaiah Spiller adds himself to that list. Woof. So I think you just convinced me not to draft Isaiah Spiller. I like I, I think honestly, I think it was as simple as that. Hearing that list, I, 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 what's the hit rate there? Zero. It's, it's fucking it's zero. Awful. Yeah. It's Why? Like, I don't, I don't think I could possibly convince myself to take that chance. It's just um, unbelievable. Like, I mean, I know it's kind of a weird oh, wow. thing, but it's basically just looking, you know, and I asked the question early in this, in this pod with Felix Sharp. I said, look, man, it looked like he sort of flatlined a little bit. He didn't really get better. And, you know, I know that, you know, people like his tape. Um, you know, Ryan Searfoss has him as RB1, you know, Felix Sharp had him at RB1. You know, I think Ray Garvin had him at RB1. There's a lot of people who like Isaiah Spiller. And then, 
you know, you hear stuff like that just analytically and it's like, boy, oh boy, any list that includes all those motherfuckers and me, (laughs) that's not good, man. I don't want to be on that list. So, you know, he's going to be an outlier in that regard, at least. But um, there's some other some other troubling things about Isaiah Spiller. So let's just say it's not Isaiah Spiller. So I think it's probably, you know, Brees Hall. And then you look at guys like, you know, my boy, Rashad White. I mean, Jesus, you know, he's uh, he actually reminds me a little of uh, uh, Cordero Patterson himself, you know, a speed guy, although he's not as thick as Cordero, who can really, I mean, he can really, I mean, he's a big dude. He's such a good running back. Uh, he should have probably been a running back the whole time, this sort of weapon guy. Probably. Miscast the, the whole way. Yeah, the NFL wasn't where it is today when he came in. They no, weren't they ready, ready for a guy that didn't have a position. Mm-hmm. Like, at least not the coaches he was with. Like, that that's always something to keep in mind is like, yeah. I don't yeah, know. the first time he really started to get used that way was Belichick. Um, yep. And he didn't go all in with it, but he started to use him out of the backfield. Yeah, I mean, where he started his career in Minnesota. Minnesota, first round pick. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, like that. The, the, I, I don't remember who the coach was at that time. No, but um, they just lined him up at X and were like, all right, exactly. Go win. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, it, uh, imagine if he got drafted to like Philadelphia, like Andy Reid back then. Yeah. Like, he's the, like him, a Belichick. Like, the, there weren't as many like offensive, like, I mean, Belichick isn't offensive necessarily, but like the type of guys that are really ready to like just kind of do weird stuff. Yeah. Like, but I mean, Andy did that all the time in Philly. Like he, he was, he was always, he's always been ahead of the curve. Like, um, if Cordero Patterson went to a guy like him early in his career, like I think things would be very different. Yeah, I mean, if Cordero just came around today, you know. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the, that, the I mean, that would be crazy. Too, you know, the game is changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, I was looking at it, you know, because uh, uh, I was just looking at thousand yard rushers, and like, you know, I looked at like starting in like the year two thousand, so just the last like twenty years or so. And there used to be like 18, like there'd be like 18, Not anymore. 17, 19, 20, 15. So, to, you know, thousand yard rushes this last year. I think there was seven. Now I know yeah. there's a lot of injuries, but still the year before that, it was only like nine. It's like, it's way down. So, you know, running the football with a lead back is way down, which, yep. you know, also sort of, uh, more highly incentivizes pass catchers. You know, there's no more yep. Rudy Johnson's out there, you know? Yep. And so you really have to look at, you know, can these guys catch passes? And that's one of the reasons I like Brees Hall. It's one of the reasons I like uh, well, Isaiah Spiller does do that. So, I mean, he does yeah. have an opportunity to have an out, uh, you know, which is catching passes. But uh, that's one of the reasons I really love Rashad White going forward. If he can find a, you know, a little piece of a backfield and most of that being pass catching could be could be absolutely wheels up for him. Yeah, I, I think overall, I guess to kind of get back to the focus of the question, like it, it, it does feel like if they select a running back on day one or day two, they're just going to vault up rookie drafts. Yeah, for sure. Like assuming yep. it's not Brees Hall, like if it's one of those kind of middling guys, I mean, they, it's, it's going to be Michael Carter last year. It's going to be Trey Sermon. Well, the Michael Carter gonna... of last year, this year is Kyron Williams, who could be a look. They do need pass protection. Pass. That's for sure, because they don't have an mm-hmm. offensive line. So that would help. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, true. I'm joking. But yeah, but. <laughs> In all, like in reality, it happens every year yep. wh- when there's an attractive landing spot for running backs because I think that matters more than landing spot for wide receivers. For sure, hundred percent, you're right. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Um, moving on. Uh, moving on. So uh, this is from is it Gmo or Gemo? Gemo. I feel like a Gemo, Gemo the icon. Okay. I feel like I've never actually said it out loud, but Gemo the icon wants to know: Will Justin Fields finish as a top twelve fantasy quarterback this upcoming season? Yeah, With, I mean, uh, new head coach Matt Eberflus. God, I love Gemmo. 
I mean, his his undying love for the Bears is really, really uh, lovable. I mean, it's just awesome. You know, Gemmo, the icon. Uh, you know, I think I I you know tweeted back at him with the uh, the broke back mountain. I just can't quit you. You know, that I wish one. I knew how to quit you. Yeah, I wish I knew how to quit you. That's what I that's what I tweeted back at at my my very dear friend Gemmo, um, who just can't quit those Bears. I mean, he just can't. He just can't. Um, look, I really like uh, Justin Fields, and I think that he can finish as a top 12 quarterback. I, and here's why. Because he is going to play, I, we would assume. I mean, you know, it looks like it's his opportunity to succeed or fail next year. And if he plays 15, 16, 17 games with his athleticism and a hopefully improved offense. Can't be worse. Can't right? be worse then yeah, his rushing upside puts him squarely in, in quarterback one territory, even if he's not a prolific passer, which he should be better at this year. So yeah, absolutely. He can finish as a top 12 quarterback. Will he? Well, I don't know, but it's, it, he's got a very good chance to do so for sure. It feels very much like Jalen hurts going into last year where the, yeah. um, the, the floor is just, if he plays enough games, the floor is a quarterback one. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Upside. Yeah. Yeah. If he plays those games, then it's almost like, how does he, I mean, he'd have to be so bad to finish outside the top 15. It'd be yep, so bad. So yeah, um, hopefully he's not bad. And another quarterback question, not necessarily fantasy related, but this is from at trombone, Jake 84 on Twitter. He wants to know, well, it's not, fully a question but Carson Wentz long term as a quarterback in the league what are your thoughts at this point the uh, the newest report if you missed it yeah uh, is that the Colts are likely to either cut or trade him before the start of the league year when a large sum of his contract gets guaranteed so he'll likely be looking for another new team in a couple of weeks you know I you might have seen the tweet I had today I don't know if you saw it or not it was just interesting I was asked about this question and I was asked about Carson Wentz on the going for two live show. And so I said, well, I, I ought to look at this Wentz situation. So I read a couple little articles about, you know, uh, the front office and their, you know, um, their comments. And, you know, so I was like, okay, well, it sounds like they're non-committal and contract situation. I looked at that. It looks like they're going to eat some money and, you know, when they've got to make a decision by all that nonsense. And then I was like, well, what was was Carson Wentz as bad as everybody says he was? And I was like, well, let's go take a look. I'll take a little bit of a deep dive, you know, as to what he looked like as a as a as a quarterback, you know, just by the stats, by the numbers in 2021. And I started looking. Okay, so a couple just quick things uh, stood out to me. You know, in terms of attempts, he had 516 attempts. That was 200 less than Tom Brady, which is pretty crazy. But he was the lowest amount of attempts by any quarterback that started 16 or 17 games. He started 17 uh, to the pleasure of uh, Philadelphia fans. He started all 17. Yes, sir. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, uh, the 75% uh, number was crested and the first round pick bag was secured. But, you know, he he did not throw a, a, a ton of passes. He was lightly used. Um, his completion percentage was dog shit. It was, you know, 62.4 ahead of only guys like Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield, and Sam Darnold, well behind, uh, you know, basically everybody else in the league. I mean, he was like 28th or something like that. It's bad. 
his touchdown percentage was pretty good. You know, um, 5.2 is good for like 10th or 11th in the league. His interception percentage was third lowest in the entire NFL, only behind Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins. Uh, I just want to point out yeah. real quick. I'm going to interrupt. Yeah. The fact that the, 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 um, the tale of him throwing a lot of quarterbacks was, or throwing a lot of quarterbacks, throwing a lot of interceptions was completely fabricated. Uh, every Philadelphia every, defense. Well, no, 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 no. If he, he threw, I'm pretty sure, exactly seven interceptions every year of his career other than 2020 and his rookie season. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm fairly sure that that is accurate. I, I, even never if it's not true, I want you to believe it's true. So let's just pretend I, it's true. I, it's true. It's I'm true. I'm look it up while no, you talk. No, it's, it's true. Look, whatever makes you sleep well at night, Philadelphia fans. Hey, listen, in terms of yards per attempt, he was 6.9. Nice. Um, his quarterback rating was you know, uh, slightly behind like guys like Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes and Teddy Bridgewater somehow, but like ahead of Derek Carr, Mac Jones and Josh Allen, which was crazy. Like, so I don't know, not that ratings, everything, his QBR, he was, you know, just behind, you know, he's like 10th in the NFL. I mean, I was like, wait a minute, he actually played okay. And you know, what was crazy as I started doing all this, the guy that I noticed that was so close to him on every metric was Josh Allen. And I posted this, ridiculous tweet that just basically highlighted a bunch of stats where Josh Allen and Carson Wentz were nearly identical. And of course, some people got fractured by this. They're like, what about the rushing? And it's like, yeah, no shit, dude. I know that Josh Allen's better than Carson Wentz. The point was, is that was Carson Wentz as bad as we thought he was? And it's like, yeah, kinda, but in some ways, kinda no. Um, who, Who were his weapons? Like, I guess Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman and a hobbled T.Y. Hilton. That doesn't sound like weapons. Naheem Hunt. No, it's not. It's like I, Jonathan I mean, Taylor's dope, but I'm talking about yeah. throwing the football. He had very little to throw to. His tight ends were Jack Doyle and Mo Ali Cox and a sort rookie. Of. And it's you know, it's it's it's, it's literally good. the story of every year of his career outside of 2017. I'm like, just saying, honestly, I'm just no, saying I, like they, they may release him. They may trade him. It may be this, that, and you know what? He may suck and he may be bad, but like, I don't know if he's as bad as everybody thinks. I think that they just got roasted in the court of public opinion in Indianapolis needed a scapegoat. And obviously the way he played in the last couple games where they lost was not good, especially the Jacksonville game. That. So. Yes. So I mentioned this on Playbook, and it was something that actually I was listening to an Eagles podcast, and they were talking a little bit about it. I think what is the nail in the coffin for him is going to end up being the fact that he never got vaccinated. He was very open about the fact that he didn't get vaccinated, and he got COVID right before the last two games of the season. But it was right when the NFL changed their policy, so he was able to play. He did not look like himself, and they were by far the worst two games of his season, and they cost them the playoffs. I mean, you know, say what you want about vaccination status, all that kind of crap, but that basically kind of goes along with the narrative of what he had in Philly, which was at toward the end of his career in Philly, which was selfish, self-centered, and very quick to move the blame. Um, And that can be seen when he got benched in Philly, uh, against the Packers, it was not long after that. I believe him. There was like a mic'd up moment where he actually said, "I got to get out of here." But he said that in Indianapolis in his opening press conference that after he got benched, he started thinking about the fact that he needed to leave Philly. He didn't take it as a reason that, "Hey, I should get better." He said, "This is everyone else's fault, regardless of whether or not it was." 
but that's not what a, that's not what a franchise quarterback does. Right. If you're throwing to me at wide receiver, which Carson Wentz was a lot of the time, you, you take not it and try and move he had on. Yeah, JJ Arcega Whiteside, who's way yeah. worse than you. Yeah, it's that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I would have been an upgrade. Yes. Um, but uh, I I think that matters. I, I mean, I think that matters a lot in team chemistry and stuff like that. But like, he is a large part, and I agree. He had a pretty good season for the most part, but yeah. I think he's a large part of the reason they didn't make the playoffs at the end of the season. Yeah. And it's going to be very interesting. Again, I said this on playbook. I think that he's going to be one of the top. I think he's going to be a free agent for a bit. I think he's going to be the top consolation prize for the teams like Denver, Carolina, and the Steelers that don't get an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson. It's going to be interesting. Cause I mean, it, you know, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know what his perception is around the league. Um, which is, almost more important than anything else. So yep. I'm, I'm, I'm dubious for sure. I've got a, a bit of Carson Wentz in dynasty, especially this yeah, last off too. season. I was drafting him as like, you know, quarterback yep. 25 in startups and yep. uh, was, was a great value in super flex, but yeah. you know, if I could get off him, I would. Yeah. Um, no, I'm right there with you. Um, and okay. So two quick ones from Mark. Um, where should Cooper Cup be in dynasty wide receiver rankings right now? For reference, you have him. Well, hold on, but don't look, don't look, because I was going to ask okay. you where you've got looking. him, because I know where I've got him. I've got it right here. Uh, so what do you think? That's it's before a, you it's look a, at mine. No, okay, I, I I sorted it by generally. Um, so I definitely have Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, uh, Devonte Adams, Tyree Kill above him. Um, probably Debo. That's five. I think there's probably AJ Brown, CD Lamb. I don't DK Metcalf. Uh, definitely not guys? DK Metcalf. Definitely not DK Metcalf. I I, I think AJ Brown, CD Lamb, and Cooper Cup are all kind of right there. I think it's probably Cooper Cup around six would be my guess because he's proven it. He's connected to Matt Stafford, and like, no, he's not going to have another legendary season most likely but even a drop-off for him is still going to be really, really good. And I don't see his situation changing drastically anytime soon. And I think that's important. I think uh, I've met at wide receiver five and you could talk me into moving him up to as high as wide receiver three. Um, You know, like if we're in a startup and chase and Jefferson are are off the board and you know, we're running a team and you say, Hey man, I'm thinking cup here. I wouldn't be like, you're yeah. crazy. Right. I'd be like, I'd be like, yeah. oh, that's a, not a bad, you know, that's a, we, you need to start thinking about him to me Yep. at wide receiver three. Yes. Um, I, I, to, I have yeah. him right in that same tier as Devonte Adams and Tyree kill. I think um, where I think they're kind of in similar places where they're on the older side. You're not drafting youth next necessarily but you're drafting, you kind of know exactly what you're getting, where I think guys like A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, um, D.K. Metcalf, even Debo to a certain extent, require a little more questioning about what exactly you're getting. It's fair, although I do have A.J. Brown and C.D. Lamb just ahead of him, and then Cup at uh, five, and then Devontae Adams and Terry Kill. But I'm with you. I think that's all a gigantic tier, the A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Debo, Samuel. I'm with you. And I, you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm moving T. Higgins ahead of DK Metcalf right now. Boom. I love it. Just I love it. it. T. I love T. Anything, Higgins. I love anything that moves DK Metcalf. <laughs> DK Metcalf now wide receiver 10, which Good. I think I'm oh, lowest. Wow, on you him. have Higgins in 
nine? Yep. Ooh, I love it. Yep. T Higgins at wide receiver nine, because it's really tough, you know, and that's that second, you know, group. It's like T Higgins, yep. DK Metcalf, DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, Steph Diggs, yep. Jalen Waddle. I think any one of those, you could put Waddle, you could put Waddle right now at nine. I'd be like, yeah, it's fine. As a matter of fact, yeah. I'm going to do it just for fun. Cause that's how much oh of that is God. a tier. I just moved Jalen Waddle to wide receiver nine over T Higgins. And that Incredible. means that I moved DK Metcalf down to 11. But, yes, I love it. But like, right. So like you look at that, it's like, it's not like those, there's a lot separating that group of players. And no. I think, you know, a lot of people will tell you when you're ranking, you want to do so by tiers. And I think yeah. that's about right. And yeah. so for me, if I'm, if I have the, 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 you know, the, the pick of wide receiver three, I probably trade back so that I can move to the yep. wide receiver eight. You know what I mean? And yep. take whichever one of those guys falls to me at some point. Right. Yep. So that's the idea of value drafting. No. Yeah. I, I agree completely. Um, yeah. It's, it's nice. I, it's, it's nice to hear that you kind of uh, definitely are on the same page as what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, and another question from Mark. Uh, he wants two tight end sleepers in Dynasty, specifically ones that you can probably buy low. Yeah, I shouldn't so, steal yours. Not Kyle Pitts. Yeah. <laughs> Sleeper? Yeah, give me Kyle Pitts. Um, yeah. Maybe he's still a buy low. He might to be, he although is. he's got a very, very high ADP right now, although it's a lot of sharps right now. Yeah, they, yeah. there may be a couple of um, Kyle Pitts uh, managers who would – be willing to part with him if yeah. if you you know maybe dangled one of the you know the Andrews Kittle Kelsey Waller plus you know so I mean if you know if you offered a 22 second and one of those guys it'd be very yeah. hard for them not to you know give up on them they'd be like wow I'm getting a tight end plus you know so it's it's an interesting thing I think it's still not a crazy um, move that you could make uh, and get a lot younger and get the tight end one in dynasty. I think Kyle Pitts proved it. He had one touchdown. I am guessing that's going to be a career low for him. Was it wasn't even in America. Yeah. N- never scored a touchdown in America that's until right. the pro bowl. Yeah. That was his first American <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think, uh, but let, let's hear yours because I, I don't want to steal yours. So you go ahead. Give me some, give me some of yours. Cause I'm probably just going to take them. I won't do that. Um, yeah. And I, I have some more that we can talk about if you, if no, you I've got some real good ones, ones. you're, you're um, not going to pick mine. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, my two have been the same for seemingly like two years. They're guys that I loved coming out of the draft and I, I, I've loved since. And they're Adam Troutman and Irv Smith. Um, Irv Smith for the Vikings. Uh, I think he had a torn ACL. That sounds right. I missed all of this season. Um, I just, you know, I like him as a talent and I think the situation, like, I think that he was just prime to break out in the third year this year uh he scares me a little bit value wise just because i think it's a little more uncertain than it would have been um especially with a new head coach but i think that might be a good thing for him uh and adam troutman is just i mean he was my tight end one in that class i think two years ago it was the same class as cole Komet. um again i love him as a talent i think that he's just a like i just think that he's a really good player he was on the verge of breaking out. I actually watched him break out against the Philadelphia Eagles. And then he got hurt in the same game. And I I've never been more sad. Um, and then he kind of came on again at the end of the season. Uh, crap part there is, you know, the, a lot of uncertainty on the saints right now in the offense in particular, but again, both young, both very athletic. Um, and I just think that they have a lot of talent and I don't think that they're really being, being viewed in the way that I would view them. 
So I like those two. I like I like Irv Smith a lot. Um, he's still I think he's still only 18 years old. Last I checked, I mean he is super young. I don't know how old he is, but he's young. I'll, I'll check. Yeah, he's like 23. Um, so it's going to be yeah, pretty, 23. Yeah, 23 years old guy. I feel like he's been around for four years. He's had injury year. He's had two. You know, it's unbelievable. Yep. So he's young. Uh, he's going to be younger than some of the guys drafted this year, probably. So, yep. yeah, he Ab- came out as twenty-one year old, I think. A twenty-year-old, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, super, yeah, yeah. super young player. Um, two of the guys that I like right now are Cole Komet and Brevin Jordan. Uh, Brevin Jordan's going to be a receiving tight end. Uh, he's not going to play a full complement of downs, but who really cares? As long as he can, you know, get you know five plus targets a game, something like that. You know, where he can get you know four to six catches a week and you know, with that, you know, 80 yards and the touchdown here and there, that's an amazing uh, tight end that could be uh, a guy who cracks the top 12. And at his age, I love it. The other guy, Cole Komet, you know, it really, he had a great season, two seasons in a row. He was sort of, not to use the, pardon the pun, but boxed out by, um, um, you know, what's the stupid name? Jimmy uh, Graham. Jimmy Graham, sorry. I brain fart on Jimmy Graham's name. But he was boxed out by Jimmy Graham as, Jimmy Graham was boxing people out in the end zone and, you know, catching nothing but touchdowns. So, you know, a few of those, those touchdowns are going to go to Cole Komet. I think he's going to be a very popular target for Justin Fields. You know, look at Mooney and Komet to be the number one and number two targets there. They'll probably draft someone or bring someone in uh, to complement that passing game. But uh, I don't think anything's going to move Komet off his tight end one spot in Chicago. And uh, yeah, I really like his upside going into uh, 2022 and they're both young. So I like them both. Uh, if you're going deeper, um, Oh, can I give two really deep ones? Yeah, go like? for it. Go for it. All right. So this is like my favorite game. I love drafting rookie tight ends in the fifth round and leaving them on my, uh, taxi squad for like five years. But Dan Arnold only 26 years old and yeah. going into like his fifth or sixth year in the NFL, uh, got traded to Jacksonville and was actually like pretty decent there. Um, yes. And I think especially with Doug Peterson going there, Doug Peterson loves to use his tight end. And I think Dan Arnold profiles really well for that as a safety blanket for uh, Trevor Lawrence and Tommy Tremble, a uh, 21 year old rookie or 20 or 21 year old rookie out of Notre Dame did not do a lot of pass catching at Notre Dame, but athletically is just a, of a, a freak. Um, and I, I, I love him mainly because he he is so under like he he basically is little to no value. I think you can probably get him for close to nothing. Close to nothing. And you could probably pick him up in a few leagues. Exactly. Yeah. But his upside, like he could he could absolutely be nothing. He did very little his rookie season. That doesn't matter all that much for tight ends. They did trade away Dan Arnold to give Tommy Tremble more playing time. Um, he was getting snaps, and I think if they can figure out the quarterback position, the offense, I think that Tommy Tremble's upside is massive. Like, he's the type of guy that, again, he's only 21. Like, in a couple years, once he kind of figures at, figures it out, I think that he could be huge. The other guy I would look at who has a big upside, you know, some of these guys you just want to swing for upside because it doesn't really matter because you can always yep. find a replacement level tight end is David Njoku. Uh, yeah. David Njoku, you know, saw 53 targets this past season. Um, you know, there's still the Hooper and Harrison Bryant situation there where they're both kind of pretty adequate tight ends. But if they kind of lean a little bit into the explosiveness of Njoku and try and give him some opportunities to break some big plays, which they could certainly use there in Cleveland, uh, especially with OBJ gone, could be could be a spot for him. But, you know, he's a very unstable uh, player, but certainly worth the the swing, especially at his at his value. 
Yeah, I, I mean, he's kind of like he he's like that original guy of that athletic prototype coming out, and the the one that you know everybody just wanted, like OJ Howard. Yeah, I was gonna say, speaking of guys, I can't yeah. quit. OJ Howard's yeah. my guy. I just I can't ever stop talking about him. I uh, that was a big miss for me. I I thought OJ was gonna be a uh, you know, tier one tight end, top five tight end. Uh, you know, he was the guy after. But there's Kittle only like, like, the, like the tier of a, a top five tight end. There's only ever like two of them. Like that's <laughs> the worst part. Like I think that's why I love stashing like free rookie tight ends because it's just like if they don't work out, who cares? Yes, they're, they're, they almost never work out anyway. Um, but I think that kind of covers the majority of our questions. Uh, we're just going to close with two uh, that kind of talk about uh, league types. And, uh, oh, yeah, those are playing fun. In I like those. Yeah. Um, so first, this one is from Ty House on Twitter. Uh, what is one rule slash setting that you would like to see go mainstream in Dynasty Leagues, the way that Superflex and tight, tight End Premium have gained popularity lately? It's the easiest one for me. It's half PPR, half point per first down. That's the easiest one. Half point per, per first down is the way to go because PPR is too weighty for guys like, you know, uh, you know, uh, Tariq Cohen and, you know, just these scat backs who don't do shit for your, you know, for the football team, but they're like overvalued. You know, I think James White and Tariq Cohen have like two W uh, uh, running back twos, uh, you know, finishes and, you know, Naheem Hines. And I don't know. I just would rather see first downs matter. You know, uh, Nick Chubb gets two yards on fourth and one kind of a big play you know um whereas uh samaje pirine gets stuffed bum sorry just had to go i bum i i spent like 10 minutes and i'm talking about the coach yeah i on playbook i spent about 10 minutes just yelling at ashley about samaje pirine i i felt kind of bad but at the same time it's not even samaje pirine's fault he was in the game when he shouldn't have been how many carries he had the whole game one too many he had two but yeah, one too two, many was the damn many. number. Two for zero yards. Yeah, Joe Mixon had four point eight yards per carry. Yeah, don't put him in there. It's third I, down. We have to play our third down back on the most high leverage play in our fucking franchise history. What a fucking idiot! I I can't stand it. I oh, and so I had to do off. I had to do my rant without cursing. So oh, we try not to curse on that. Yeah, pod. fuck that. Um, Everybody yeah. loves the the f bombs on this show. We know that. Yeah. That's why they tune in. It's probably that's probably they shut it off because I didn't swear enough on this damn show. That's Fuck true. That shit. That oh, was so it, stupid. You get a reward for making it this far. Um, well, they're gonna yeah, get a actually, reward. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got. No, you're good. I, I played up. in. Uh, I played in my uh, the first league that I ever have with uh, points per first down this year. It was really really interesting. Along with I guess Scott Fishbowl also has it. I think. Yeah. But, um. So I guess a couple of my in my my league. Yeah, yeah. I all of a sudden I, I went from zero to like five. Yeah, That's really it's what it's really great because I, you know it's just I thought I I, yeah. I I thought I wouldn't like it. I thought it would be too much. Um, I thought it would kind of change my perception on players too much. But honestly, like I think it just I barely noticed it. And well, I think you actually it, it makes you like better players more than yeah. shitty players who catch passes that don't go anywhere. Like. That's, you know, yeah. a third and 13 guy gets a swing pass for seven. It's like, come on. That's a fucking 1.7 play. You know, it's like, yep. that's a little uh, aggressive. I mean, you know, so it's just yep. like, I want to mitigate that as much as possible. But the guy who catches a two yard pass on fourth and one fucking that's a, big. that's huge. Yeah. That's yeah. a bigger play. And so there, those two plays are valued equally. 
um, you know, on this scoring, whereas the other way, that's way, way more the other way. So, yeah, it's just to me, it's, you know, yeah. Anyway, I, I don't know. And give it to quarterbacks too. Here's a shit, you know, give, uh, give, you know, that's where you can play six point touchdown pass, but yep. half point first down, even if you rush it. And then these, now the quarterbacks are just scoring, but it's good quarterbacks. It's quarterbacks who are converting or, you know, throwing touchdown passes. It's like, yeah, go, I mean, baby. quarterback scoring as a whole is just kind of a mess. Um, yeah, like, I mean, I don't like the four like, point touchdown. It's not for me. I, so six I, point I, touchdown, half like point four first down. Point. Let's go. I, yeah, I don't know. I, Quarterback kind of needs a whole rework in a way, I, I think, to keep yeah. up with like the Konami thing. I because also, again, I also if you're play, trying to reward good players, like I also like to put completion percentage in there. So just you know, I know Scott Fish did that where it was like um, that was he had actually stressful yeah, one point. Uh, what was it? Uh, it's one point, point completion minus and two or minus, it was huge. Yeah, it was minus for incompletion yeah. as well. Yeah, it was huge. I, I like stressful. it a little bit less. Very stressful. I think I did. Um, plus uh 0.1 and minus 0.1 which ends yeah. up being you know just a point or two here yeah. or there you know either you get the point or you don't if you can throw more completions than than incompletions you can play maybe quarter point uh and quarter point minus you know so you know most most quarterbacks are you know if they're 50 percent that's shit so they're mostly going to be even you know what i mean it's yeah. like no points uh lost or gained but you know for the for the quarterbacks that are like you know God, the guy went, you know, 26 for 29. It's like, geez, dude, that's awesome. Well, he picks up a couple of points, you know, 20 Eagles points. gave up. Yeah. Uh, and we had six quarterbacks throw for OD over 80% against us this season. It's equal to the amount of uh, quarterbacks that did that from, uh, I think, 1950 until 2021. You need so. Sauce Gardner. That's a, that's a fun, fun little stat for you. Um yeah, no, it's interesting. And it's always tough because, like, you don't want to do too much, but you don't want to do too little. And it's very hard to find that common ground, especially with quarterbacks because they're yeah. doing so much different shit. Yeah. Like, it's not like a running back that, you know, one or two things. They, they can do fucking everything. I just like um, to reward things that are yes. awesome for your football team. You know, maybe even yeah. fourth down conversions, you know? Like, Have you ever been, a like, a bonus for long completion guy? Like, a, like I feel like typically, like, my home league – uh, home redraft league I'm in does like I think over 50 yard of a touchdown like you get an extra five points or something like I hate that. that and I'll tell you why okay because 51 five points 49 go fuck yourself it's like what I don't like yeah. that that's that, that's that doesn't make any sense it's like it's still a long play so for me I don't like like huge jumps for arbitrary cutoffs I like things yeah. to be sort of linear so like yeah, if you're going to do long plays, then, you know, you can make a progressive scoring thing. But that's a lot of fucking work, you know? Yeah. It's just I, a lot I, of work. So I don't want to do that. I prefer linear to bonus 100% because, again, I mean, it's it, I, I'll be honest. The bonus is fun on Sundays. Of course. Like, it's actually a lot of fun. Like, we're, I'm talking, like, you know, home redraft league. So, like, sure. I think I actually think I got that wrong. I think it's actually, like, if you reach 125 yards receiving or rushing, you get a five-point bonus. Yeah. Very arbitrary. Very like one twenty four. You're a fucking bum. One twenty six. Oh my god, huge bonus for you, dude. But it's so exciting. Of course, like it's. Yes. I, I disagree with it on a fundamental level. <laughs> yeah, it, but if it I was fun. creating a league, I'd never do it. Yeah. But this league has been there for like nine years, and it was in since day one. I've lived with it, and it's fun. It's, it's fun. Whatever. Yeah. Um. So speaking of fun, uh, this I believe is our last question. This is from Just Me FF on Twitter. Uh, are twelve team leagues getting lame? accidentally joined a couple 14 and 14 and 16 team leagues and they are so much more challenging 
uh, pour one out for just me for accidentally joining the wrong size leagues. Yeah, or accidentally. I, I accidentally joined a few leagues last year, too. Whoopsie-daisy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> One too many uh, alcohols. I accidentally joined a couple of leagues, honey. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm good with it. I think, I think just mixing it up is fun. You know, I, I'm in a, I did, I started a 10 team league, but it's start three quarterbacks, basically start two tight ends. And, you know, it was a league I'd never played in before. And I was like, that sounds like fun. And it's been okay. It's not the best setup in the world, but until you play in it, you don't know what it's like. And, you know, I set it up as a kind of a wonky league and I invited some of the, some of the, you know, people I play with Tommy Moe and, you know, a bunch of guys that I play with and, you know, uh, Trav and all that sort of thing. It's just a fun league. You know, you just sort of see what happens with it. And, you know, I don't know. I I like different shit. So I think it's more challenging, but if you're in a 10 or a 12 team league, which are more standard, just make sure you add a couple of flexes, you know, like however many flexes you have, add some more because then it's more fun. Like, you know, nothing, nothing worse than having like, you know, uh, I can only play, I've got Chris Godwin, Deontay Johnson and DJ Moore and DK Metcalf. And I guess badass team, you can only play two of them. It's like, well, fuck man. I mean, you know, I'd rather be deciding on Marvin Jones and you know, someone else like, Oh, I got to play Jacoby Myers or Marvin Jones. Well, that's good. I want to make that decision, but I don't want to decide on like, you know, one of the top tier players. So I like to certainly have a little bit of a deeper starting roster, uh, I think 12 is pretty good. I think, you know, we play in a couple of leagues, Michael, that, you know, are about that. Uh, that's a lot of yeah. fun. Two quarterbacks, I, one tight end. seems like the standard for the most part. What's that, sir? 12 seems like more or less the standard. Like if you're just kind of, you, you don't know what you're doing, you probably are just going 12 unless you are. I'm in 12 starting players. roster spots. Oh, okay. 12 starting roster. So, so that way, if you're playing 12 team league, now you have 12 no, starting dude. roster spots you're getting a little deeper. So yeah. if you're going to play in a 16 team league or a seven or, or 14 or 16 team league, yeah, you can shorten up a little bit and you don't have to play next. Now, if you play 12, that's kind of what the, the undrafted, uh, you know, in, yeah. <laughs> invitational is it's a, it's a it's fucking stupid. gauntlet. It's 16 it's team. league. I had, a guy on, I had a guy on my team that has been retired for two years. <laughs> I didn't even realize <laughs> Who was I it? dropped him the other day to accept a trade. And I was like, I don't even know. Yeah. I, he, I think it, oh it was Aldrick Robinson yeah and I it must have been every time I went to drop him sleeper only recently made a change that when you like you're doing a transaction you can like view them or something yeah every time I went to drop him I was like oh a Robinson right yes yeah right, Clearly right, right I have right, Allen right, yeah. Robinson and in this deep ass league he's not in my starting lineup even with how bad he's been like obviously that makes sense but no yeah I've almost Robinson. dropped Javante in a couple spots because like I'm like or like thought about moving him or something like wait no that's fucking Javante yeah. not not like Jamal yep. or Jonathan or something you know yeah yeah um I will I I will kind of not disagree with you necessarily but I, I think it's just it's largely it, it's about what you enjoy yes and also who you're playing with like my my home league uh my first dynasty league it's 10 teams it's non-super flex um and we have it's like regular starting lineup just with two flexes so not crazy deep either in terms of a starting lineup but i love it like trades are flying around all the time that make massive differences yes you're every team is kind of in competition like making the playoffs is tough right like it, it is very consistently like the dude, like in the last week, the dude could come in like fifth or he could come in last and have to, you know, he's out of the playoffs. Like 
I, I, I find that extremely enjoyable, but also because I'm close with everyone in the league. And that really makes it more enjoyable because the chat is super active. The trades are super active. And when it's a smaller league and it's so widespread every single season, in larger leagues, like in that undrafted, like 16 team league, like there's like at least five teams that have no dreams or hopes of making the playoffs. That's right. And they tend to get more uninterested that's because right. they're rebuilding. And that's, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. I, I have leagues that I'm in where my team is garbage. Yeah. I'm not interested in that league until the trade deadline or the off season <laughs> yeah. or the rookie drafts. It's yeah. like, I check it periodically because you know, I need to make sure, but uh, th- there's just yes. not as much going on. No, that's right. A 10 team league can be, yeah, that's right. It, it's, it's the variance, right? So yeah, yeah, you're a hundred percent right. You know, and, and those are, that's right. It's more fun. I'm in a 10 team yeah. league, one quarterback. That's my first home league yeah. dynasty league. And, you know, of course I've dominated that thing. I, I yeah. won that thing four years in a row. And then this last year didn't even make the playoffs. And, I'll just tell wow. you, it's the greatest team I've ever assembled in my life and it did not make the playoffs. It, the running backs. This year was a wacky one. The running backs. Yeah. Listen to the running backs. It's uh, oh, no. uh, Jonathan Taylor. These are all on my team. Jonathan Taylor, Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, uh, Akers, and Dobbins. I can see why he didn't make the playoffs. Right, because none yeah, of them were healthy. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. None of them made the, it was, and then I had Michael Thomas, uh, Julio uh, Jones, who kind of both flamed out this year. Uh, yeah. But I have like you know, it's fucking stupid. It's it's the dumbest. You know, I have Kittle and Waller or something like that. You know, it's like what? But, and yeah, yeah, but sometimes that but they that's all get fun. hurt. Yeah, yeah, and it, it also depends. You know, how many leagues are you in? Like, what is your attention span for viewing the number and managing that many leagues? Like, it. it like all the leagues that I've joined in the past like two years, other than my home one, they're all much larger. They're 14, they're 16, a couple 12s, but they're much deeper rosters. And it's like, okay, to a certain extent, that actually makes them easier. I don't have to do waivers as much. Right. Um, <clears throat> like, you know, I look obviously, but most of the time there's no one I can pick up or no one yeah, I care to really pick up. Yeah, it's really thin. Exactly. And um, when someone does pick someone up, you get the alert. You're like, oh, fuck, who they pick up. You're like, who's that? I don't give a shit. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, I don't give a um, shit. Yeah, so that's you know I don't think twelve uh, to answer to I guess answer the question uh, in my opinion I don't think twelve teams are necessarily lame unless that's not what you're looking for. Um, I I mean the the fun thing about dynasty is it, it's not redraft it's four more serious players that pay more attention and I think that in itself just like it it, it gives you so many opportunities to do so many different things. Yeah. I agree. And, and don't let anybody yeah. tell you that, oh, dude, 12's for fucking amateurs. No, it's not. No, it's not. No. It's for, oh. for having fun. And whatever the fuck's fun for you is what you should do. And if you find nine other people that want to play a dope 10-team league, then fucking do it. Yeah. And if you don't want to play 12 because you don't want then don't do it. It's that simple. Like, don't let anybody – it's not dead and it's not – you know, this is trendy now, Superflex. I do like Superflex better just because, like, you know, quarterbacks seem to be almost devalued yeah. in a four-point touchdown league with, like – you know, single quarterback. Oh, it's like, oh, they Jesus, you know, are. what the fuck? Who cares about a quarterback? You can't trade him for anything. You just have them. They're available on the free agent wire. It's just boring to me. The super yeah. flex, at least now, it's like you've got to have to have a pretty solid strategy around quarterbacks. If you don't have one, you're willing to like, like I'm in a couple leagues, or well, not a couple, probably I think one where I'm, I've got some quarterback problems and I'm like, yeah, I need to do something about this. And so yeah. I think I've got Devonte Adams in that league. I'm like, he's I'm ready to give up Devonte to get a quarterback, and that's yeah. 
fun. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to do it or not, but I got to figure some shit out, you know? And so, whereas in a single quarterback league, if that ever happens, it's like, you just send like a second, you know what I mean? Like, and you just get Uh, a quarterback. In my team in that 10, like in that 10 team league, I, I, I've used Carson Wentz basically since the startup and I've like, I've made the playoffs every season. I've had a great team every season and it hasn't mattered. Like my backups have been Matt Ryan. I've picked up, I've practically streamed Taysom Hill. Right. Finally made a big trade. It was for Tom Brady. Go figure. Rip. Uh, No, no, he's coming back. Just so you know. Yeah. He's coming back. I'm not dropping him. I won't do it, but. He's coming um, back. He's playing. Yeah, but at the same time, like I don't, I'm in some 16 team leagues where I hate super. I I don't like that it's super flex. You know, everybody, let me, let me tell you this. Everybody was so upset in Boston, so to speak, that Tom Brady didn't shout out Boston when he, quote unquote retired I was delighted because it didn't sound like a retirement to me it sounded like a, a farewell to Tampa to Tampa Bay yeah. yeah it sounded like he was saying I'm quitting you and I'm not yeah. quitting altogether it just felt that way and especially even when you know his dad came out and said Tommy's not retiring hasn't decided I just it doesn't sound like his swan song farewell it just doesn't sound like it I uh, Gronk came out the other day and said, I, I think he'll come back someday, maybe a couple years down the road, which was just fucking 48? a drippy statement. I loved it. Yeah, you never know. Maybe oh, uh, 48, 49 years old. You never know. The motherfucker could come back. You you know, it's like so badass. Um, I love Gronk. But he's coming back, I, I really think. And the only reason that I think he doesn't is if the stars just don't align for him. But yeah. all of those who are, are getting a, a bit excited about the Trey Lance uh, you know, uh, you know, situation in San Francisco. You're, buy, you're buying the whispers. Yeah. Of Tom Brady coming and playing in San Fran. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And so I'd be, I'd be weary of drafting Trey Lance in a startup this year. Um, first of all, we don't know if he's any good. Second of all, the return of the goat, Tom Brady. Good night, Michael. That's the show. That's the show. We're done. We're walking out on the Tom Brady mic drop. And on behalf of everybody here at the Undrafted, on behalf of everybody here at the Undroppables, on behalf of my guest, my host, and the greatest producer in all the land, Michael P. Duncan, I am Jax Falcone, and we are out. Out.